Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Hey, we are in a new series called Dangerous Dealings. And um, in this series, we're looking at, uh, we're gonna, it's going to take four weeks and we're going to look at different areas of our life, different things that we go through that we all experience that have the potential to really slow us down, to distract us, to stop us really from thriving in the life that God has called us to go through. How many of you know life is hard? Anybody figured that out yet? How many of you think life's easy? Oh, no. Maybe he got over the humps and he's on the downhill backside of whatever, but there's hills and valleys of life, right? You know, there's challenges, there's different things. So uh, last week we talked about uh, looking at discouragement, being discouraged. Um, if you missed it, we do have a um, podcast available that you can catch up. If you missed it, that you can always listen to the message to stay caught up with what we're doing. But we looked at the, how, how discouragement can really affect our lives. So today we're going to take it a step further and, and give me grace as we talk through this next topic. But it is dealing with loss, how we deal with death, how, how we deal with uh, the loss of a loved one. Now, I know this is something nobody wants to talk about. Nobody really wants to pay attention to. But here's why we need to talk about it. How many of you in the room have lost somebody you've loved? Every single one of us have experienced that. Every single one of us have, are walking through that, are going to walk through that, have survived that. However you want to look at it, we have all dealt with that. That's why we want to talk about it. Uh, you know, I don't want to be a pastor that just talks about the fun things, right? Because sometimes we go through what? Hard things. Sometimes we go through challenging things, and uh, we need to be careful how we navigate, how we walk these things out. I remember growing up when I was younger, you know, I knew my great-grandparents. You know, there was like four generations, and um, I had known them, but I did not realize the gift that that was until I began to lose the loved ones close to me. Um, kind of just took it for granted, you know, because um, I remember thinking, man, you know, I got a lot of friends that are losing loved ones, and I hadn't lost anybody yet. But time, time is inevitable. Life is where it starts. And sadly, death is where it ends for all of us. You know, So um, how we deal with that, how we navigate through that is up to us. But we all have dealt with the loss of someone um, we love. And it's we all respond in different kind of ways. You know, it's, it, it, and sometimes when it happens, most of us are stuck in a position of not knowing what to do. We kind of just pause, we kind of stop, and, and we don't really know how to respond. Um, it kind of feels like your life is over and you're left in a position of not knowing what to do. The hardest challenge is to continue to live life without them when they have always been there. You know, when I think about my grandpa, Noe Kano Sr., which I, I bear his name, I'm a third, if you didn't know, Noe Kano the third. Um, which is a big deal because, you know, I bared my grandpa's name, um, you know, had the honor and privilege of, of kind of uh, leading, his, doing his funeral, and it was challenging. And, but just getting able to testify to his legacy, you know, the great man that he was, and it's always the joke is like, I'm glad you were here, because if you weren't here, I wouldn't be here, right? You know, like, you know, always remember that when you criticize your grandparents or parents or whatever relatives, like, hey, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. 
Don't matter what you think or how it was. But, you know, I remember my grandpa always, up until he passed away, he was always there. You know, think about it. Who has always been in your life and then all of a sudden is not? Those are the, some of the most challenging ones that we have to deal with. And, you know, the, the, the reality of him being gone, even to me, sometimes is hard to wrap my mind around. Think about this. Like, man, like, because I remember, you know, my grandparents' house, like, always being there. And guess what? They were always there. So dealing with that, and it's hard, it's difficult. Um, today, it's going to be a challenging topic, but I'm not here to tell you that I understand where each of you are coming from, because if I were to tell you that, I would be lying. But I am here to tell you that there is hope that the scripture brings to us when dealing with grief or pain of, of losing someone we love. So we each have to continue to move forward, but it will probably look a little bit different for each of us. So we have to realize that this morning. I know there are countless ways that professionals would counsel you way better than I can this morning in how to navigate, what to do, what not to do. But this morning, I'm going to give you four things that you can do to help you. Okay, Now, this list is not going to be like, oh, if I do these four things, I'm guaranteed to have no problems working through this. But these are four things that I believe all of us can wrap our mind around, that we can relate to, and maybe give you that hope and that encouragement that you need today um, to either start moving forward or to continue moving forward or to brace for the coming battle of losing somebody close to you, okay? Um, so we offer at the church a, a grief share program. It's not our program, but it is curriculum that we use uh, that we've done in the past. Uh, it's called grief share, and it just helps those who are struggling with grief that haven't gotten, you know, past the hurt and the loss. Um, so if you ever hear about Grief Share going on and you're like, what is it? That's what it's geared towards. Uh, it's a ministry that we support as the church. If you're wanting to be part of that, all you got to do is show up. We purchase the books, the curriculum. You know, we have teachers, different things like that, that kind of walk you through that. But as I was looking at this, there are many, many different ways that we deal with grief. There are many different ways that we do that. But here's what the promise says in Scripture. Matthew 5, 4. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, when I first heard that passage, I was like, blessed? Like, is God saying it's a good thing when I mourn? No, what, he's, what blessed really means here is that God blesses those who mourn. It's a little bit different when I hear it like that, that God is going to bless me in the season of mourning through those difficult times. It says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be what? Comforted. And that's one of the biggest things that we need when we're suffering loss of a loved one is just that comfort, that peace, that, that, that rest assurance of God in our lives. But God is a God that cares about you and I. He understands what we're going through. He is aware of our feelings and our emotions. Now, I think sometimes we disconnect that God is human and has these human tendencies and feels like us. But do you understand that God felt all of the pain of sending his son Jesus to die on the cross? That was his own kid. Think, think about that just for a minute. If you got kids, like for the sins of the world, to know what was going to have to happen, to be okay with that and be willing to watch and to feel all of that pain. Jesus also went through pain and agony and suffering. You know, we know in scripture, you know, um, Mary and Joseph, and then he just kind of, the story of Joseph just kind of falls off, which, you know, we can just base from scripture that his father passed away and was really wasn't present in his life. So he grew up with the loss of his father. And we'll look at another scripture in just a moment. But, you know, even dealing with the pain of, of his friend Lazarus, we see just some of the emotions come out of Jesus's heart. But Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, 
It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize. That means that not uh, unable to understand uh, what, our, what our weaknesses are. But we have one who has been tempted in every way. Now, I, he was tempted, but he was also aware of suffering. How many of you can understand? Jesus understood what it meant to suffer, to, to, to deal with loss and rejection. So he felt all of these things just as we are, yet he didn't sin, which we know that that promise is the understanding that Jesus was spotless. He was perfect. He always did it right. Um, but verse 16 is what I want us to pay attention to. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So when we get to our time of need, when we get to our time of where we just need help, we can come before God with confidence knowing that he will help us and that he will come to our rescue. So when we, we lose a loved one, there are many different feelings and emotions that we can go through. Um, now, I, I snagged a copy of this Grief Share book, and, you know, I was thinking of a few. I was like, okay, you know, uh, hurt and pain and different things like that. Um, and then I got to this page four and five of this book. And if you can see how many bullet points there are here, this says, these are common responses to the death of a loved one. Common. 50 responses later. So there are many, many different ways that we respond when we're dealing with, with the loss of a loved one. I'm just going to read a few of them, you know, just to kind of give you an example. These are the examples that it talks about feeling abandoned, avoiding the grief, bitterness, blame. I can't pray. I can't talk to, I can't talk about the loved one. You know, I'm crying, maybe denial. I'm struggling with depending on God, discouraged, distracted. I'm diving into work to kind of like focus all my attention on that. I'm an emotional wreck. I have fatigue, um, feeling like something's missing, frustration, full of questions, heartbroken, hopeless, impatient, insomnia, not being able to sleep, staying up, irritable, um, nervous, nightmares, not trusting God, prayer, problems, uh, pretending you're okay, shame, shock, shutting down, um, stress, stuffing down your emotions, I'm tired. Uh, having trouble turning to God. I'm unproductive. I feel vulnerable and I am full of worry. Now that's just a fraction of the feelings and the, the responses and the emotions that we go through when we're dealing with the, the loss of a loved one. So what does that mean? Whatever you are feeling, whatever you are going through, it is okay. It's probably a valid, acceptable response, but we need to be aware of those responses. We need to know that those are all part of the pain. Those are all part of the healing process. Those are all part of, of where we kind of start in all of this. So uh, as we work through the loss of a loved one uh, or helping someone else deal with the loss of a loved one, know that it's okay and acceptable to grieve with them, to come alongside them. So our grief and mourning will happen in many, many different ways. Uh, what I want you to know is it's okay to grieve and don't try to keep the tears in check. You ever try to do that? Oh, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not gonna. Like you try to stuff those emotions. You try to be in control of how you're feeling. Just let those things flow out because when those things flow out, it'll actually allow you to walk into the process of healing. Um, it doesn't matter if other people understand or feel what you feel. What you feel matters. Okay, uh, What you're dealing with matters. Your perspective matters. So I want to give you two quick quotes, uh, Zig Ziglar, and then the other one is from WandaVision, which is a super powerful quote that, that came in that. But the first one, it says, if there were no love, there'd be no grief. 
it is impossible for those that we've loved for us to grieve over their loss. And then the second one is, what is grief if not love persevering? Most profound statement of all, all of my Marvel history. You know, there's a lot of little quotes sometimes in there, but that's super powerful. Like, my grief is just persevering after, after continually trying to hold on to that love that I have for that person that's no longer there. It's pursuing it, it's persevering it, and that causes the grief because the one whom, I, whom I'm pursuing after is no longer physically present. Right? But it is that love persevering that releases that grief. Um, but not allowing our feelings or emotions out is kind of like shaking up a soda can and expecting pressure not to build. Like, would we expect that? Absolutely not. The more you get shook up, the more things inside get bubbled up, the more the pressure, and it's going to cause all kind of external responses and and different things like that. So, um, the pressure will continue to build up until whatever it is that we are feeling or working through on the inside comes out. So how does it come out? Shouting, yelling, crying, kicking, screaming, you name it. It it doesn't really matter, but the key is that it comes from the inside and it is released out of your life. Because as long as it's bottled up on the inside, it is going to continue to affect every area of your life. Is this helping anybody so far? We got a long way to go, but this, this is just, we're kind of getting to the grassroots of uh, the heart behind, you know, dealing with this, um, A lot of times when we get hurt, what do we do? We kind of put up a wall. We put up a barrier around us to protect us from getting hurt again. And we sometimes will cut ourselves off from relationships because we know that good quality relationships are people we love when they hurt us or when we lose them. It hurts on the inside. So what we do in order to prevent ourselves from being hurt again, we kind of put this defense mechanism in place and we say, well, I'm just not going to have any relationships. I'm not going to give my heart to anybody else because it hurts too bad. Now, let me challenge you. Every time you love and love unconditionally, it is worth the pain of losing the loved one. It far supersedes just being isolated and alone and protected and cut off from the world and cut off from relationships because that's definitely not what God wanted. So um, we don't want to be robbed of walking in close relationship with God and close relationship with others because of past hurt. So I'm just encouraging you that God today would even give you the grace to just open up to allow people in, even today, that you'd allow the Holy Spirit into those secret things of your heart, whatever you're going through, wherever you're at, um, that God willing, you can leave different today than you came. Um, so we're going to look at four things to think through when dealing with death. So n- notice I said think through. These are things that if you think through them and apply them, um, it, it, this isn't the cure-all. But number one, we're going to look at it's okay to not be okay. You got to realize that today. It is okay to not be okay. Now, you want to commit to not staying in the same place of grief forever, okay? Uh, We don't want to get stuck. We don't want to stay there and and compromise. Um, Can can you say that with me? Say, it's it's okay to not be okay. You got that slide for me, buddy? My son's slipping back there. There you go. It's okay to not be okay. Uh, and, and that's, that's the reality of where we're at. Like, if you're not okay, that's okay, but realize you're not okay. What we don't want to do is pretend like we're okay and not be okay. Now, our close friends, guess what? They can see through that. 
They can see your responses. They can see the changes in your demeanor. They can see, well, man, he used to be like this, and then I don't know what happened. Like, um, anything, some, some, anytime something radically changes in somebody's life where they completely kind of change who they used to be, they might have experienced something catastrophic in their life that has kind of changed the trajectory of their life. So don't, don't pretend to be, that everything's okay when it's not okay. Initially, upon dealing with the loss of a loved one, uh, we don't even know how to process. We don't know what to think. It is almost as if it does not seem real. Just cannot wrap my mind around. I can't believe they're gone. It just, it just doesn't make sense. So understand this. Everybody deals with the loss of a loved one and the pain left in dealing with a broken heart. Um, but we all deal differently. So part of moving from not being okay to being okay is dealing with the feelings, the thoughts, and the judgments. Pastor, what do you mean by judgments? Sometimes we are offended by those that we've lost. We have not forgiven those that we have lost. And that's a hard thing because... I didn't even get to ask them to forgive me. I didn't even get a chance to work through that. But if you, if you have, or, or, or you're mad at them or whatever it is, and that's super hard because the person is no longer physically presently there, but we still have to deal with those feelings and we have to release that forgiveness. And uh, we, I'm sure we got people in here through this grief share. I'm sure they work through that, forgiving those who, who have already passed on. And when we're dealt with those, dealt, dealing with those judgments and that unforgiveness, um, but we're all going to have feelings and thoughts and emotions and all of these things. So when we work through this process of being okay, according to professionals, there are five steps of grief. The first one being denial. Often we get stuck in denial, and that is just saying um, this is really the first part of grief. It helps us survive the loss, right? You know, when we first get hit with that loss, I'm just going to pretend it's not there, da, 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 plug my ears, close my eyes, scream real loud and pretend like it's not happening. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's the state of where the world around you becomes meaningless and it feels overwhelming. Life makes no sense. And we're kind of in a state of shock and denial. And then quickly after that, we move into the anger stage. You ever got mad about losing somebody? It is a healthy response to allow that anger and that rage and that frustration and that irritation to come out. Because when that anger comes out, uh, it actually helps you heal. But understand that um, you need to be willing to feel your anger, even if it may seem endless. You know, it's, um, I don't know if you've ever gotten mad and you tried to scream at the top of your lungs. Well, you can only scream so long for so long. It's at some point you're either going to wear yourself out, you're going to run out of breath, or you're going to stop at some point. But when it is coming out of you, release it out. This would be probably in a safe place, in a place in, in, you know, surrounded by friends or whatever it may look like. Um, but the more you truly feel it, the more you will um, be able um, to, to dissipate, and then, then the more you will be able to heal. So that's part of the healing process. And then you move into a bargaining. Now, I had to look this up because, like, bargaining? Like, what does that mean? So bargaining is, is where we kind of become lost in a maze of if only, what if statements. We want life to return back like it was. Man, if I could just go back, if I could have them with me a little bit longer, um, if, if I could have found the tumor sooner, if, the, if I would have recognized the illness more uh, quickly, um, if I could have stopped the accident from happening, it, it's a if only, if only, what if, and, and you get stuck in all of this reasoning, um, and you just kind of get stuck there. But guilt is often bargaining's companion. 
You're going to get to that place. What happens when all that bargaining becomes a reality? After bargaining, we jump into depression. So our attention quickly moves squarely into the present. You have empty feelings that present themselves. Grief enters our lives on a deeper level um, and perhaps deeper than we've ever imagined. Um, This is the depressive stage. uh, And it sometimes feels like it will last forever. You just can't get out of it. You're stuck. And, you know, just the whole world kind of around you, it kind of feels meaningless. Um, To not understand depression, or I'm sorry, to not experience depression after a loved one dies uh, would be unusual. So what does that mean? Depression probably should be normal when you lose somebody you love. Like you couldn't just be like, oh man, I shouldn't be acting like this, or I don't know why I feel so depressed. It's a natural response to the loss of a loved one, Okay. And then finally, acceptance. Now, hear me on this one. Acceptance by no means that, it, that, that, it, that it's saying it is all right or I am okay with what happened. In the reality, we are never okay or just all right that it happened. We never get to that place. Um, you know, most people don't ever feel okay or right about the loss of a loved one. But what this stage of, of acceptance is talking about, it's the reality that our loved one is physically gone. And we recognize this as a new reality. And this is our permanent reality. We, it will never make the reality okay, but we eventually accept it. We learn to live with it. And it is the new norm with which we must learn to live. Uh, let me tell you, I mean, it's not that we forget them or we just move on. We don't ever move on from people that have just like impact our lives. They are, they are part of our stories. They are part of our past. They are part of our present. You know, there's certain things that will remind us of them all the time. Uh, one thing that, you know, is always super funny. My dad was on a, uh, on a kick of where he was engraving all of his tools. You know what an engraver is? Like, he would, like, engrave the engraver so people wouldn't walk off with his engraver, I guess. I don't know if he had tools walking off, but, you know, uh, I got a few tools at my house one, or I could tell my dad's print, but I have a skill saw. It's old as the hills, but it's my grandpa's skill saw. And he wrote his name in cursive, no Econo on it. So every time I use it, you know, it's just those moments. It's like, man, like, this dude used this to work with his hands, and now I'm using it. And maybe one day if my kid wants it, it might mean to him just as much as it means to me. But there are sparks and there are moments all sprinkled out throughout our life of just those people that have impacted our lives. But it's okay once we start healing to be able to to cherish those things. Actually, some of those memories help us survive, and we'll look at that in just a minute. Um, so, So number one, it's okay to not be okay. Number two, walk with others and allow yourself to be walked with also. How many of you, it's real easy to walk with others, but you don't want nobody walking with you? That's just the reality, right? We're willing to help others, but we will not allow ourselves to be helped. When we are not okay, we need people to come alongside us. Don't always just be the one that comes along others. Let people come alongside you and help you if you are not okay. Romans 12, 15, it says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. So times of rejoicing and times of mourning are the two most emotional moments of our lives. Think about it. During a time of celebration, um, Purchase a house, you have a new kid, you get married. These are celebration moments that, that mar- how many of you remember those highlight moments? 
I mean, th- those, are, those are the emotional highs where there's celebration. Um, and then the times of mourning, suffering, loss, or setback, those are emotional times also. So during times of celebration, rejoice with others as they rejoice. But during times of mourning, mourn with those who mourn. John eleven thirty three through 35, this is where I was talking to you about Jesus' heart. It says, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. So this is Jesus who was perfect. He was all God. He was all man. But yet he felt what we felt. He dealt with what we dealt with and said, where have you laid him? He asked. And he said, come and see, Lord. They replied. And Jesus wept. Now, if we know the rest of this story, he raised Lazarus from the dead a little bit later. So what he was really heartbroken about was the condition of his friends. He felt, he allowed himself to feel what they were feeling. And he, he, he mourned with those who were mourning. Okay? So Jesus was personal and, he, he, and considered of the feelings and the conditions of others. And we should be also. So uh, one of the most powerful things as a pastor, it's super hard because somebody always wants an answer. Like, look, pastor, tell me what to do. Let me tell you what I have learned when you're dealing with loss. And this will help you as a pastor. This will help you as a person. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do for someone is just be there. So what does that mean? If you don't know what to say, you don't have to say anything. Just be present. And I have seen that pay dividends because guess what? I don't know what to say. There's nothing I can do to help. I wish I could make the pain go away. But maybe all you can do is be present and be silent. Uh, It is awkward (laughs) when when you feel like, I got to say something, I got to say something, but you have nothing to say. You know, I mean, that's why the sentiment of, hey, I'm sorry for your loss or I'm hurting with you. And then just, you know, one thing I've learned, guys, I don't try to understand because I may not understand what you're going through. I know what I've been through, but it would be like you trying to understand what I've been through. You might have similarities, but it's not fair for me to say I understand exactly what you've been through and you understand exactly what I've been through. So what do you do? Just be present and say nothing. They ask you a question or they, they're looking for hope or whatever. They, they ask you for something. Maybe say, Lord, give me a scripture, give me something. You know, help me encourage them in a way um, that really helps rather than making it about me versus making it about them because they're the ones that are grieving, all right? It's been super helpful to me. So number one, it's okay not to be okay. Number two, walk with others and allow yourself to be walked with also. Number three, remember you still have a life to live. This is a challenging one because sometimes we feel like our life is over. We don't want to move on, but I often encourage others that are dealing uh, with moving on and, and and in trying to live life to the fullest after the loss of their loved one, to get them to think about what their loved one that has moved on would want them to live out in their life. What do you think they would, if they could tell you like, hey, you know, if I could hear from them one more time, how would they speak to me or what would they want me to know about my present condition? Now I'll tell you, most of the time it's something along the lines, hey, keep living. Don't worry about me. Hey, you got it. Keep going. Um, You know, remember me, but don't focus on me. Live your life to the fullest. Right? You know, I I often wonder what heaven's like. Like, I I hope that our loved ones can kind of look down and see us along the way. Like, I don't know how you support that scripturally. Like, there's a lot of things we think and we hope according to like what people say. Like, um, 
Just so you know, when we say an angel got his wings, people don't become angels. Just doctrinally, doctrinally, sorry, throw that nugget like, ah, oh, we got another angel today. God don't need no more angels. He created me and you personally. We're human beings. We're not angels. Created in direct image of God. So we, we know we have glorified bodies and, you know, we're going to be in the presence of God. But I, I hope that along the way, our fathers and fathers' fathers, and, you know, maybe they get in a moment to look down and will they see us living life to the fullest or will they see us bummed out suffering loss? Now, if I could shout from heaven to my children long after I'm gone, I'm going to say, get up. Remember me. Live life to the fullest. You got this. And some of you need to know that today, that if, if they could, they would. And they would want you living life moving forward, not staying stuck where you're at or looking in the rearview mirror. That's their heart for you. And guess what? That's God's heart for you. To continue to live a life to the fullest, to live life and to move forward. Um, that's where we want to get. If you're not there today, that's okay. But you got to know that's the goal. That's where I want to get. But you got to be real with how you are right now and begin to deal with that and take it a day at a time, a step at a time. But allow God to heal and to help you walk it out one step at a time. Um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, the, the one in whom you've lost, what would they want? They would want you, first and foremost, to keep living life. Secondly, keep living, keep loving, and remember the great moments you shared together. Um, that's one of the things. Another thing that I try to encourage people is uh, remember when you lose someone we love dearly. Um, remember what you experienced, but also understand that when you lose someone, do you understand the devil is ready to attack? When you lose a loved one, he's, he's going to tell you your life is over. You can't do it without him. This is the end. But we have to understand what is the nature? John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, some of us stop there. We live that. We get busted up by that. And we're like, oh man, this life's so hard. But here's the other side of that same passage. But I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Now, that's the heart of God. That's the progression of where God wants us to go. It's not over till God says it's over. My life is not over till I breathe my last breath. Now, I may be at a state of the wind is knocked out of me and I can't move. You've seen somebody get the breath knocked out of them? It's always funny unless it's you. I had my buddy fell out of a tree and he fell on his elbow and knocked the breath out of me. He's just like... It's horrible. <laughs> how did you do that? But I think sometimes that's how we are emotionally. We're just winded. And guess what? Just wait a little bit. You will catch your breath. You will be okay. Even though in the moment you think, I'm going to die because I can't breathe. How many of you have never had the breath knocked out of you? Never. Two of y'all? Man, good luck. <laughs> you're gonna be like if it happens you'll be like guess what it was horrible it's a horrible feeling um but i think spiritually emotionally we can be like that where we are just winded the breath is knocked out of us but understand it is not the end um one thing that we can do is m replace all of the sad memories that we have the sadness in our heart and overpower those with the great memories we have of the individual Man, I love telling my kids uh, the stories of my grandpa and those that we've lost and different things like that to, to work those into their life. I said, hey, let me tell you, you know, and, and they got to know him. They didn't know him as well as I did. Um, but, you know, to keep those memories alive when I, when I get discouraged or I get sad, 
Think about the great moments. Think about the stories. Think about all, all of the things that they taught you. Um, understand that those whom we have loved deeply will always stay in your heart. You can't escape those. Understand the goal is not to forget them. It's to survive through the experience. And, but how we do that sometimes is remember those cherished moments. Um, and there's many, many people that I was close to um, that have just um, moments of just uh, ingrained into my life that, of memories, of just reflecting the person they were. Um, deep wounds, they take time to heal. So time and patience is the only thing that will heal sometimes. And understand this, for every single person, that time frame is different. So if somebody's taking longer than you think, don't share your opinion on that. Okay, because it's not fair to you say, hey, you should be over this. Uh, stay in your lane, brother <laughs> uh, or sister, however you want to look at that. But be encouraging. Encourage them to move forward and to focus towards the goal of restoration and healing and living a life continually lived. Um, you know, wounds really from a loved one, you know, what, you know what they do? They leave scars. Got any scars on your body? Got knives and cuts and all. We have scars, right? Those things will always be with us, just like the loss of a loved one. They will always be with us. But the difference, a scar is not bleeding out. If I'm bleeding out, it's, it's a lot more dangerous than once it's healed and there's a remembrance of that wound. And then we can go on living once we receive some of that healing and different things like that. Um, all right, so we remember that you still have a life to live. Number four, remember God's promises for those who are in Jesus. Now, this is always what gets me through. When I know a person has had a relationship with the Lord, it is a celebration. It is a good time um, that, you know, that they get to move into. So John eleven twenty five and 26, it says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives uh, by believing in me will never die. So think about this just for a moment. As much as we would love to keep and hold on to those we loved, do you understand that being in the presence of God is far better than anything we experience in this lifetime? Think about your biggest highlights, the best moments, the, the best things that we think on this side of heaven. Heaven is better. Being in the presence of God is better. Now, um, you're like, well, that's easy for them. They're there, but I'm here. But if we will remember where they've went... And where they are waiting for us who believe in Jesus, it is going to be a happy family reunion at the end. I really think our, our ones that have, have passed on before us, they're going to look, when we get there, they're going to be like, man, what took you so long? I've been waiting for you. You know, they're going to have, you know, how many of you know when you're having a good time, time goes really, really fast. My son, he told me, he said, dad, school's starting. I'm praying this weekend goes so slow. I said, well, you're only going to get 24 hours per day, so... But I think when we're in the presence of God, man, it is just a great time and the best time. And it is just a celebration for those who are in Christ. Revelations 21, 3 and 4 says, and this is what it's going to be like in this. It says, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Verse 4 says, he will wipe Wipe every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old things have passed away. Can you wrap your mind around that? Um, that there's going to be no tears. There's not going to be no sadness. There's going to be no death, no mourning, no pain, no suffering at all. 
right? I mean, I know my knees and my back and my muscles. Like, you got stuff that hurts. Like, that just won't even happen no more. Everything will be made whole. Everything will be made right. I don't think we realize how bad a shape we're in, and we're going to realize we get to heaven. Man, I was busted up. Like, you're just dealing with pain, right? But that is the hope for those who have Jesus, that it's, that it's a celebration, that it's, it's, a, it's the, one of the most exciting moments for those who believe in God. So I tell you what, if I die tomorrow, y'all better celebrate. Now take care of my family, but celebrate. Because for those who have hope in Christ that know where they're going, it is the ultimate victory. It's not defeat. It's like, oh, man. Now I want to pause just for a moment. Because just like for those who know God, there is a promise of heaven. Those who don't, it's the other side of the coin. There is a heaven. There is a hell. I think it's really, really challenging when people believe that everybody goes to heaven. Um, but we know that there's a condition that has to be met. It says, believe and be baptized, then you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will be my children. It's with you, where you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. Um, and, and what are we believing unto? That Jesus Christ came as the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross and then raised from the grave the third day. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And as I place my trust in him, that he is the gate into heaven. It's not about coming to church. It's not about getting baptized. It, it, the, the answer is Jesus. Amen. You know how you always try to give your parents the textbook question, what'd you learn today about Jesus? That better be your answer when you stand before heaven's gates because Jesus is the key that unlocks the doorway to heaven's gates. So you have to understand that. Like not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody is just welcomed in, but those who are sons and daughters are welcomed in, okay? So we know it's a celebration. It's an exciting time. Uh, when we leave this life, we are promised life after life after death. So what does that mean? That means that we are living a life now, and then we're going to have another life in heaven after we actually die, but we don't die. We live forever. Well, I guess mind-boggling that there's so much more to be lived on the eternity side than just maybe the hundred some odd years we get to live in this lifetime. I tell you what, time goes fast. Sometimes faster than we like. But it is a time of rejoicing for those who are in Christ. They are now reaping the reward of heaven for their life lived for God. So when we leave this life, we leave it in victory. 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and 57 says, When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immorality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your... Or, sorry. O death is... <laughs> man, help me, Jesus. Let me slow down. My brain's going faster than my eyes. Uh, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So understand, we are free from death, we are free from sin, and now we are forever in his presence. I mean, that's awesome. Like, that's how you want the movie to end. That, that, that's, that's what you could hope for as being best. So we have to understand when we've lost a loved one that knows God and that has a relationship with him through Jesus, that it is the victory that we have. Now, for some of us, that's a challenge because we don't know. 
That's why I pray that all of my family and my friends and those that I would know would know Jesus. Because it makes it a lot easier for me to deal with when I know the truth and I know the hope of what the Bible promises. And if the Bible promises, we can bank on that. Amen? All right. So why is dealing with death such a dangerous dealing? You know, the loss of a loved one, it has great potential to hinder you from our forward progress. Now, notice I said it can temporarily hinder you. So this means there is a time for grieving. There is a time for healing. Then there is a time for continually moving forward. That we're not supposed to get stuck and never move forward, but we're supposed to move. Now, hear my heart in this. Um, I'm not asking you to forget. I'm not asking you to ignore your feelings. Um, And I don't even know what you're dealing with today, but I know that there are some people in the room today that this message is for you. This is the hope you've been looking for. This is the answer to all of your questions. And you can leave this place at least beginning to move forward. If the prayer team will go ahead and come forward. What I want to do this morning is I'm going to pray over you. And as I pray over you, um, if you know you want somebody just to agree with you, to help you get out, to continue just to move forward, I want you just as I pray to go ahead and come. But um, I want you to know this, first and foremost, that Jesus' name is the Prince of Peace. It says that he is the God, the Holy Spirit, is, you know, and they're all connected. But, you know, the God of all comfort, the peace amongst the storm, the hope in which we trust. This is the God we serve. So all of the things we need can be found in him. Here's the promise. Each of us can get through this with God's help and the help and the help of others. Amen. Can you stand up with me? So today, if you've been challenged with the loss of a loved one, maybe it's been going on for a long time, maybe it's just started but you're not okay. And you've been saying, God, please help me. He just wants you to respond this morning. He wants you to come and just cast your burdens on the prayer team and let them agree with you that you might leave this place full of hope, ready to begin to take those baby steps of moving forward, amen? That's my heart for all of you, that you begin to move forward into all that God has called you to, amen? Let me pray for you. And if that's you, go ahead and come forward. If more people people show up than we got prayer teams, we'll get to you. But I I don't want you to leave this place not being okay. But I want you to leave this place ready to begin to take those steps. Amen? Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are in the room. and, And you are already beginning to do that healing work in our hearts. But Father, I pray that we would see our condition today. If we're not okay, if we're needing somebody maybe to walk alongside us, Lord, maybe we're stuck and, and we, did, we, we couldn't get back to living the life that he's called us to live, that we would begin to do that today. And Father, maybe today you just need to bring to our remembrance the life after this life for those that we have lost to catapult us into a place of celebrating and rejoicing and moving into the position of being okay. God, I thank you for what you're gonna do in and through our lives. Father, that you have been faithful in the past, you have been faithful now, and Father, you will continually be faithful in the future. 
So Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd go with us from this place, that you would just surround us with your goodness. And Father, I thank you that there is nothing too big for our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.